Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to build your business story repertoire. Hi everyone, I'm Sean Callahan. And hi everybody, I'm Mark Shank. And just before we get into the story for this week, just a little advert. We are running our public story-powered sales program uh, virtually uh, starting in late June. And so if you're interested, just go to our website's anecdote.com forward slash events and you'll be able to see the details. So the, the Story Powered Sales uh, virtual program is run over four two-hour sessions. It includes uh, bridging activities between the sessions. So you get some uh, get to record a video of yourself and get coaching and feedback. And then there's a comprehensive follow-on program and uh, access to your facilitator for four months after the uh, conclusion of the workshop. So it's a great way to, if your job is related to sales, uh, it's a great way to tap into the power of stories to sell more effectively. So end of advert. Yeah, no, it's actually the, um, the interesting thing I find with the program is that the sales team, usually it's a sales team that does it together, but in this case, the public one's a little bit different, but um, uh, when they do it together, they get to build up, a story bank together. I think that's actually a, a fabulous um, outcome. It doesn't happen in the public one, but you know when they do it as a, a team, it, it really is a good result. Um, fantastic. And of course, Mark, we're, you and I are running the um, Storytelling for Leaders program, which is pretty much a full, uh, full two courses. So that's uh, pretty exciting. Yeah, so that's uh, yeah, so one, one focused on uh, APAC and Europe and the other one focused on the Americas. Mm, yeah, so that's going to be really good. Looking forward to that. Right, we should get into this story, hey? Yeah, it's your turn. My turn, okay. So the, I, I thought this was a good one because very relevant to what's happening in the sense that, you know, there'll be organisations out there that have to shift strategy dramatically. And perhaps they've their business has fallen off a cliff, and they have to really look to building it back up again. For example, if you're in the travel uh, business or the entertainment business, or I mean, there's just so hospitality. Many, hospitality. I mean, so training many, and consulting. Yeah, industries have really got smashed uh, because of the pandemic, and and in those situations, really the employees need to have clear instructions as to what's what's happening and i think this is a good example of an organization that came up with those clear instructions and, and got a good result so we're going to take ourselves back to 1995 it was the time when brazil went about privatizing all its railroads and i don't know mark if you've ever looked at a a map of Brazil. I'm sure you have had a look at a map of Brazil, but I was looking at one the other day because a friend of mine, uh, Rodrigo, uh, was, was, lives in Brazil now, and I was trying to work out where in Brazil he was, just out of São Paulo. But um, it's, it's, it's an enormous country. Like, it's a ginormous country. Anyway, their railroads were split into seven different branches, and they auctioned them off, and a company called GP Investimentos Limited bought one of those branches, which is known as the Southern Line. And sort of, the, it was a kind of like a management buyout and the management um, ran it for a while. And it was in bad condition. It was losing money. Uh, there was lots of repair done though. They figured that about 50% of the bridges, just to give one example, need to re 
needed you know, real substantial repair and 20% of those were on the verge of collapse, right? And not only that, I mean, the, the, the technology was still from the industrial age. They had 20 steam engines on their, on their network. So, um, yeah, they had a long way to go. In 96, a fellow called Alexandra Bering came in as the new CEO. And at that time, people were sort of going to him for requests for funding to do different things. You know, the, let's fix a bridge and it would, it would, let's say it costs 5 million real to do that. Just about a, a million, uh, million US dollars. But he was in a dis desperate situation because the company only had 30 million real in cash. So there was no way that they could fix everything that was broken. They had to come up with some sort of strategy. So to get out of this cash flow crisis, Barry and his CFO developed four rules for investment. And these are the four rules. The first one is that they are gonna only invest in projects that would allow the company to earn more money in the short term. Second one was that the best solution to any problem was one that could cost the least money up front. You know, even if it ended up costing more in the long run, it was, a, it was better for them to go for that lower quality solution. Third rule was that option, any options they had that would fix a problem quickly were definitely preferred over the slower options. Um, even if they Gave, us, uh, gave them a sort of a, a longer, sort of superior long-term fixes. And the fourth rule was they're going to reuse and recycle existing materials. So, the, you know, the, the shorthand version of their four rules was unblock the revenue, minimise upfront cash, faster is better than best, and use what you've got. So it was this financial triage that they were undertaking. Um, and they were making very clear choices as to what they were going to do and making it absolutely clear to their employees how to make decisions. Well, from, 19, from that point to 98, they lost 80 million reals, right? It was uh, a desperate situation. But then by 2000, they were back into profit, making a profit of 24 million reals that year, and then just kept going from there. And all of it was just this work that, you know, that was done to provide real clear constraints. And these constraints actually fostered creativity. So their engineers, um, you know, with these constraints were thinking, okay, how do we reuse things? So, for example, uh, to get, um, say, new railway uh, lines, it was something like $500 per tonne to get them, you know, sort of sent and, you know, obviously made and sent to, to the railway. So they went to different parts of the railway that was disused and ripped them up to reuse them in the area that they needed. They came up with, their engineers came up with ways to save fuel, you know, different ways to run their locomotives to save fuel. They sort of, it was just this um, cauldron, if you like, of, uh, of ferment and, and creativity uh, that came out of it. So. It's amazing what a few constraints will, that can be made. So anyway, that's a little bit about that uh, story, Mark. What do you reckon? How, uh, would you, how would you put that one? Yeah, well, that, I uh, really like that, particularly, in, in, as you say, in its context to the current situation where pretty much every organisation is having to throw out strategies and figure out how to get through stuff in the short term. And yeah. it's just a great example of how sometimes you need to take a short-term view to get through a crisis 
in order to position yourself for longer term growth. So yeah, that's right. Um, exactly. I really like it from that perspective. So so one of the things. So what do I like about it is that it's very relevant to the situation that many companies, many organisations might find themselves in right now. Yeah, yeah, no, most definitely. It's a relatively short, simple story. You know, it's like here is the problem. These are the four things that they did. They got a solution. You know, that's really the the basic uh, elements of that story. Uh, well, I threw in a couple. I threw those couple of examples of the creativity. That that was an afterthought, actually. Um, I don't know if you noticed it, but I felt at the end there that I didn't have an ending to my story because I didn't really think that through. I just threw those two things in. It was two other things I knew about what was going on, and I put them at the end. And then I felt I didn't really have an ending to the story. Did you notice that? Well, because I no, I didn't because uh, I, I could well be because of the pre-conversation that we had, and so I you already had in my mind. Yeah, so I already had in my things. mind what was going to happen. So yeah, I, um, yeah, I felt like I know I'm sort of jumping ahead here, but I would have liked uh, for it to end by me saying something like something again about the CEO. You know, so ten years after that. You know, they they built this company to some massive size. You know, that would have been the to me the perfect ending, but I don't right. know. That. Yes, no, yes. So so people would be asking, uh, at given the telling that you just did, the logical question is: so what happened? So what happened after that? Exactly. Yeah. That, would, that yeah. would be the question yeah. in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, and and totally understand that 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 is what people would be thinking, and. In, in relation to the short term, it was pretty good, but how does that relate to the longer term? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I, I just, I, I want to take, I'm not issue, but I, so you said this is pretty easy to tell. I actually think this, this story is quite complicated to tell. There's a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, and, and I'm talking about this relatively speaking. Yeah, right. Like, so you, you would really need to have notes, the four things, for example, because I can't remember what the four things were. I, um, so uh, spend less money up front. Um, yeah, I mean. Reuse. That's right. Only spend, you know, I think that first one is about only spend things that make you money, right? Yep. To me, that's a that's a fundamental one. But yeah, you're right. I mean, that it's like anything when you get a strategy. It's usually the dot points that are the hardest bit to remember. But yeah. I could I could easily tell you about the fifty percent of uh, of the railways. Uh, you know, we're in disrepair, and twenty seven were falling. You know, twenty percent were falling down. That sort of stuff. Of the bridges. I can remember. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, I could remember that Alexandra Bering came in as the CEO. Uh, I got together with his CFO. Those sort of things I find memorable. But you're, you're right. It's always the dot points that are hard to remember, I think. Yeah. Uh, but that, that second list, you, you went through the four choices and yes. then you said shorthand versions of them. Could you just run through the shorthand versions? Well, the again? shorthand versions I had were unblock revenue, minimise upfront cash, Faster is better than best and use what you've got. Yeah, okay. So having those four things uh, uh, would uh, listed would help me to tell that because those shorthand uh, descriptions, they're enough to then say a little bit more. That's right. 
And in fact, that's the sort of thing you would need to get out into your organisation, that little shorthand version. You know, you need people to be saying, unblock revenue. So, and everyone should know what that meant, you know. So, um, and that would be the shorthand. So when a decision comes up, people say, well, are you unblocking revenue there or are you just actually just spending more money? You know, um, types, well, those types of conversations. I think there's a great opportunity if you were, if, if, if a leader was uh, using this as a, uh, a metaphor for what they could do in, in their organisation in response to COVID-19, then you could just say, uh, so reuse rather than uh, than buy new. What was, was that the one? Reuse, reuse, yeah. Use what you've got. Right, use what you've got. So, folks, just as an example, you know, we could, we, uh, for the Brazilian Railway, uh, they, they were paying... Uh, $400 a ton for rail or for track and they found that just that they could do, get it much cheaper simply by reusing track from disused lines and so they use what they've got so folks what are we in our organization and so you can have specific examples to illustrate each of those and then your organization knows what use what you've got means yes and then likely well hopefully then someone would say do you know what we've done something like that Yep. And then they tell an example in their side or in their organization, then you've got a real life example, you know, to, to run with. So, um, yep. yeah, absolutely. So I think it, it could spark really good conversations, this, yep. this story. Yep. Um, so I think it's, it's a lot of this is to be with, it's being concrete and unambiguous. I think that's the, the crux of this story, you know? Yeah. And one of the notes that I took was clear communication particularly when things are bad and you need people to be absolutely clear on what you want. This is not a time for fancy talk. This is a time for really straight talk. Just lay it out. Use what you got. Yeah. And, you know, we've been talking uh, a lot. Uh, we just did a webinar on response stories. And by the way, if you want to uh, watch that webinar, just go to our uh, website, find Mark's blog post on response stories and you'll see the link to download the webinar. So you can actually download it and listen to that webinar. But this sort of um, type of, um, you know, set of things to do, strategic choices, right, is very much what you'd expect in a response story. And it's a very specific context. Here's, here's what you're going, asking people to do. Clearly, for only a, a period of time, you know, you know, this is not this is not like for a five-year thing or anything like that, or even for a two or three-year thing. This is for okay, the next twelve months, guys. This is how we're running it. Is what we got to do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good. Yep. And and of course, in the in the context of the the CEO who took over from you know took over the Southern Line, he was in a crisis because you oh, know, yeah. the, the, it had been privatised and things were just going from bad to worse. Yeah. And he was called in. What does he do? Okay, folks, here's the situation. Here's how we're going to respond to it. Bang. Exactly. So what do you reckon? Good analogy. Yeah, I think it's a good one. The, um, what do you think we could do to make this story even better? I think you know, already mentioned, you know, a better ending. My, my ending life is better, <laughs> I think. So that, that's definitely something that helped. Um, yeah, look, I'm going to go back to what I've said a number of times before and in when we talk about this, the, the conversation about how to make it even better is 
in some ways esoteric because for a business story, our main objective is, does it make the point that you want it to make? Yeah. And in this context, it did. And sure, yep, you want to know more and maybe you've got more in your back pocket, like for example, what happened, but it, all we're looking for is in this context, does this story make the point that I want it to make? And I think it served that purpose pretty well. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I don't think you'd want to make it any fancier, for example. I don't mm. think you want to, I guess that's one of the things I noticed. You don't need to flesh out who this CEO was so much. You know, and even, I don't even mention the name of the CFO. We don't really need to know it because you're trying to move quickly in this story. I mean, uh, Philip Pullman famously said that fairy tales are written the way they're written because you want to move quickly. And if to move quickly, you have to travel light. Um, And what he meant by that is that fairy tales, they use titles like princess and dragon and, you know, for example, and um, knight. And we know all the things about that. We don't need to know the details. And it's the same with this, CEO, CFO, you kind of need, don't need to know the details. You zip through the story pretty quickly because mm. you're really getting to those four points. That's the crux of the story and then the result. Here, yeah. This is what they did. This is the result. Yep. Now, if I was on stage using this story, you know, giving a keynote or something, and it, it, look, I'm, I might have pictures of the CEO and the CFO and talk a little bit about them because yeah. I'm commanding the stage and I'm going to, you know, so in that context, you've got the ability to have a bit more details. But if you're giving an all hands uh, talk, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether it's face to face or via webinar um, or online, you don't need, you don't even know to, don't even need to know the CEO's name. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. So, well, so how do you use it? How, how do we, we use, use this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, so the, the first one obviously is a good example of how to respond in a crisis. Yes. Yes. And, and, and the importance of being clear and, and unambiguous when things are messy and, and people are anxious. Yeah. I think that was one of the, the clear points that come out of this for me. Yeah. Yeah. And if you need people to be aligned around something, yeah, then then particularly in response to a crisis where you need everybody pulling in the same direction, having that clear communication is fantastic. Uh, another one is the point you made about creativity. And so the, the saying necessity is the mother of, of invention. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you apply constraints and suddenly find people find it. Find, uh, creative, solution. find, find creative solutions. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is also a nice example of um, making clear choices in a strategy, right? A strategy shouldn't have these wishy-washy, you know, ambiguous terms in there like our people are our most important asset. You know, that's a, well, that's not a strategic choice. That's just a headline of something. You know, what you need, are, what are we going to do? Oh, okay, we're going to do this, this, and we're not doing that, right? We're not, so this is a lovely thing about it. These are very clear choices. Yeah. And uh, so one of the things that uh, with the choices is, is, is testing whether it's really a choice. And these four things were really a choice. Whereas, you know, people are our most important asset or I'll be a great place to work, for example. So what's the choice there? Are we going to be a, we're going to be a crap place to work? No, of course that's not even a choice. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So, so uh, these are this is a great example of of what of these choices. Yeah. Good, good little test. Mm. What's 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 the opposite? Yeah. Cool. Uh, I by the way, I I read this uh, story in uh, the Heath Brothers book called Switch. I think they put it out in 2010, so 10 years ago now. God, time flies, eh? But um, yeah, they, 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 they're well known for using stories as the way to get their ideas across, and they've become best-selling authors as a result, so uh, stories make a difference. Okay, I think it's probably the time where we should try to give this a rating. What's what's your rating, Mark? How would you, um, yeah, sort of set the usability of this story? Oh, look, I really like it, uh, and I will definitely use it. And I'm going to, I'm going to give it a seven, only because I don't know that I could tell that one very effectively off the top of my head without the list of. The four, the four things. things. Yeah, you'd have to learn uh, that list, wouldn't you? No, but I definitely intend to use this because it's a great example in in the context of response stories. So, mm. so yeah. very useful, and so uh, very glad you've shared that one. Yeah. Now I'm going to give it a. I'm going to give it a seven and a half. <laughs> I think for the same reason. Huh? You know, sometimes it's hard to get those dot points in your head, but um, yeah. I think it's worth it. What I would do is if I if I know I'm going to use it. I would do a little bit of SWOT uh, study before uh, I tell it, and I would have those dot points in my head for a while, and you know they might stick after after a few tellings, but uh, at least I'll be able to get them out and, in, and give a good rendition of the story when I need it. Yeah, and just on a um, just in terms of memorability, yeah. absolutely bullet point lists are we're just so not wired to remember those lists, but I. I, you notice that I kept going to the reuse or use what you've yes. got yeah, yes. thing. And it's because you gave me that example earlier about the engineers reusing the track, the track. Yes. And right. so having an example that illustrates each of those points, that would be the research that I'd do. And I think that would help me uh, understand each of those points uh, more effectively. The other, the other way is to have a, a disgusting and grotesque picture oh. attached to each one. <laughs> Then you won't forget it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm picked. I'm, as soon as you said that, I, I, I don't go there, Mark. Don't go there. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I, I didn't go disgusting, but I did go to uh, uh, train plummeting off broken bridge. Oh, well, there you go. See, good. We do remember death and destruction, so yeah, that could actually yeah. work well. Yeah. Right. I think that's a good place for us to uh, wrap things up. Um, if anyone has any comments or questions, you know, please add them to the, uh, you know, the, the, the podcast comment area. We'd love to hear them. And, um, yeah, and, and share, share the podcast to others if you think it would be something they'd be interested in listening to. You know, we're all about building that repertoire. We want to, you know, just get yet another story in your back pocket that you can take and use and, and, and really make a difference with. Yeah. Yeah. And just one more observation before we before we wrap. Um, we, we've spoken quite a bit about response stories. And as Sean said, we ran a webinar on response stories. And, and now's the time to be putting together the story that explains your response, your recovery, uh, your transition out of 
uh, COVID-19, whatever it is. And we've written quite a bit on the blog. And so you can go to the blog uh, uh, and look at the webinar, read the, the, the blog posts from Sean and myself on the topic of response stories, because there's something that's really worth thinking about right now. Yeah, that's good. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, to Anecdotally Speaking. And, yeah, tune in next week for another episode of How to Put Your Stories to Work. Anecdotally Speaking was engineered by Dave Stokes from author to audio.